The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hello, this is Phil Hester, writer of Gold Key Alliance from Dynamite and Mythic from Image. In contempt of the righteous will of a just and loving God, Two-Headed Nerd has reached its 250th episode. And you, you wretched soul, are about to join Joe and Matt in this shameless undertaking. What befalls you next is your own responsibility. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcast from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area. It is our pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 250! Unbelievable. We're talking comics at Nerd News for the week of Wednesday, April 6th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not celebrating this milestone episode by getting matching tunnels and trolls tattoos with woolly toots, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. Speaking of woolly toots, we got some Periscope peeps here watching us do this nonsense. All right. Our buddy Seanix is here. He's disappointed that woolly toots is not here for this occasion. Oh. Dude's got a job and a baby. Yeah, that's not our fault. He keeps weird hours. We didn't get too pregnant. I don't we, think we got too pregnant. I don't think we got. I'm pretty sure we didn't get too pregnant. Yeah, no. <laughs> we got Sir Jimothy here. Thank you uh, for all the well wishes, everybody that has already sent them. Black Scorpion, the three is watching us from the grocery store because oh, he man. didn't want to miss it. Oh, what a weirdo. I love it. It's 3 a.m. where Sir Jimothy is and he's watching us anyway. Jesus, Jim, go to bed. My heart is full. <laughs> My name is Joe Patrick. It's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not publishing private text messages with my co-host involving private internal matters and thereby betraying his trust. It's true. It's absolutely true. Look, transparency is key. No, not, not internal memos, dude. About Helena. <laughs> I'm still reminiscing about my days as the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. I was there just last night. It was everything I could do to not uh, start bossing people. Oh, <laughs> uh, you probably should have. They could use it. In this week's episode, you'll hear our in-depth reviews of The Fix, number one, Black Panther. I don't know one. how in-depth my reviews are going to be. I was kind of drunk when I wrote them. I noticed that. I got a bunch of sweetheart texts last night that I did not post to the internet. After that, we're going to review 10 more of this week's comics live from Augusta National during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where we're saying goodbye to one of country music's greats and talking about our picks for next week's comics. And finally, we're going to host a little Q&A Ask a Nerd with some of our favorite forum members to celebrate our 250th birthday. But... Before we make like adorable infants and smash our faces into this cake shaped like the number 250, we just want to take a second to thank everybody for supporting this damn show, downloading it, whether you listen to it or not, interacting with us, and putting up with this bullshit every damn week. I mean, especially if you don't listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for downloading it. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about this week's... Had too much coffee. That's too much coffee. Too much damn coffee. Well, look, it's been a big week for news. Yeah, really. As uh, opposed to last week where nothing happened. Nothing happened and we had to talk about old news. <laughs> uh, I guess we should kick off with the trailer for Rogue One 
colon, a Star Wars story, which is a really stupid way to title it. Yeah, why not just call it Star Wars Rogue One? I don't know. The first trailer hit. This movie's being directed by Gareth Edwards, who did the Godzilla, recent Godzilla remake, right? Correct. Yeah. So the trailer hit this week, to the delight of squealing nerds everywhere, including Matt and myself. Yes. Rogue One stars Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, Forrest Whitaker doing his best ghost dog impression. Oh, he looks so cool. And, of course, many more. And it tells the tale of a group of resistance fighters that band together on a daring mission to steal plans for the Empire's first Death Star. I had to be set straight on that because I asked where my Bothans at. The Bothans stole the plans for the second Death Star. That's true. That's true. Nice try, nerd. I know. Matt Bomb, gut reaction. Totally awesome. Gas, totally right? awesome. Not All the imagery but. looks amazing. Forrest Whitaker looks so f- cool. That I mean, this looks scary. It looks creepy and dangerous. I love that this ties into Star Wars Episode Four. Like, man, this is so cool. It's a story that took place during the first Star Wars movie where they were stealing. Remember, they said like a very brave group of people gave yeah, their lives to you, get this information. Do you think? That it took, takes place during the time of the first yes. movie, or is it bef- like just before? I think this is the story of the people that stole the plans for the first Death Star. Right, but like... And they mentioned that in they, Star They Wars. had them already at the time yeah. that Luke meets up with them. But I'm guessing some t- during that time where yeah, you know sure. Luke was wandering around Tatooine and crap, this was happening. Well, sure. So cool. We don't know if they gave their lives. So cool. Spoilers. Now, here's but- the best part. Of course, there was instant reaction on the internet by a bunch of these like... Or underrepresented men in movies. I know, right? When is it going to be the white guy's turn? Oh, great. The further girlification of Star Wars. Because, like, one of the main characters is Felicity Jones as Jern Urso, or as she says, also. And they're like, oh, that's just what we need. Shut up. Just shut up, dudes. You have every other movie, okay? (laughs) Shonix is chiming in saying uh, in Star Wars Episode 4, R2 had the yeah. In him. So So I'm guessing they did This it. already happened by the time Star Wars rolled around. Oh, that's true. That's true. Oh yeah, because they were trying to get R2 to the resi- to yes. the rebellion. Yes. There you go. Look, man, we're work Shonix is just chastising us <laughs> left and right. I took responsibility for my Bothan's mistake. We're working things out. It's been a while since I've watched Star Wars episode. So this four. is the prequel story. It's a it's a prequel, but not that kind of prequel. No, no, no. It's like Star Wars episode three point nine or something <laughs> sure right yeah episode 3.3.9 yeah i think it looks unbelievable it, there's this team of badasses yeah flying around uh so cool doing spy for the rebellion i think it's great we knew that we were going to get these uh, these extra star wars movies i love that they're tying directly in it's not just like here's another story from the star wars universe sure wicked goes fishing you know or something <laughs> I'd watch a Wicked Ghost Fishing movie. As long as it's two and a half hours, it's all in Ewok. There's very little dialogue <laughs> yep. and yep. no yep. subtitles. No, this looks great. I'm super excited. Me too. Yeah. Me too. This is the first Star Wars movie that's not like directly dealing with the whole Skywalker right. lineage saga. And it's still connected to the story that we love, but it's different people doing different things. You know, it's like they turn the camera slightly to the left. Yeah. And here was what was going on while Han Solo and Leia were doing all this crazy stuff. Right, right, right. So cool. I'm very excited. I I have high expectations, perhaps dangerously so. 
That wasn't all that happened this week. Something else we missed out on, Joe. Image Comics held their first expo of 2016 this week, announcing a whole slate of new comics by new creators as usual. Let's take a look and give a quick rundown of our standout favorites. So just going off of this list that Comics Alliance published from the event, the first thing that jumps out of me is this book Glitter Bomb by Jim Zubkovich. Is it just Jim Zub? It's Jim Zub is his name, yeah, but Zubkovich is his name. Zubakavich. It's not Zubakavich. It's Zubkovich. It's a hockey last name, man. I love it. And the artist's name is Jabril Morissette, or boy, I hope I said that right. And it is a horror comic, which I don't think I've ever seen Jim Zub do before. That's new. I mean, all we've really seen from him is fantasy stuff, right? And a couple of like Marvel fill-in stuff fill-in issues so the tagline for this book is it's time to eat the rich for real (laughs) and it follows an actress who can't get any roles anymore due to her age because hollywood sucks yeah and she sets out to bring the entire system crashing down as violently as possible it's got a very striking cover of a woman covered in blood standing on the red carpet surrounded by paparazzi i don't know it looks like something fun from uh, new from jim zub i really like him yeah he's great uh shameless plug there is a new post this week on to it at nerd.com ryan mount did an interview with jim zub did yes. about many of these new projects he's doing you can go to to it at nerd.com right now and find it yeah didn't get him an intro of the show though so we gotta whip him well the interview was like done over email i stuff, get it but, but mental note whip ryan okay okay yeah mental note whip ryan <laughs> yeah, got it after the show we'll go down there hit him with the fire hose uh, I was really into this Black Monday murders. Jonathan Hickman and Tom Coker are doing this one. Hickman described. I love Tom Coker. I do too. And I love Hickman when he's working in his own sandbox at Image because he just comes up with the craziest crap. This one has to do with the Black Monday stock market crash from 1987. Hickman said this series is his way of writing about schools of magic, except in this case, the schools are financial institutions that draw power from manipulating the global markets. It's Hickman. Sounds like indi- sounds like independent Hickman. Cool. Nobody's <laughs> telling that guy what to do. There's this book versus, which is by Ivan Brandon, and it's uh, kind of a cosmicy space thing. It's I a, love Ivan Brandon. It's a world where war has become privatized and televised, and the series follows a soldier named Sada Flynn who is just past his prime struggling to keep up with how quickly the uh, uh, technology is evolving in combat and all that. And so he's the underdog in the eyes of the public because he's the grizzled veteran. And as such, the public cheers him on because they want him to win. Uh, it's drawn by Assad Ribic. Cool. Who is cool. amazing. So good. Uh, it's got square word balloons, though, and I have a thing about square word balloons. You hate that. I hate that. Yeah. You know what? I Like every Ivan Brandon book I remember has square word balloons. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he must just be heavy into it. It's a very European thing. Yeah. No, definitely. They don't bother me because I'm not a big baby like you. You I'm, know, I'm trying my best to get over it. Oh, just get over it. <laughs> I thought this Isola Island of the Dead by Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw, who I love so, so much. This is the Batgirl team. No, Gotham Academy is what they were doing. Are reuniting for a new series inspired by the works of Japanese animator Hayao Miyazaki, who I love so much. Both creators described it as a culmination of their 16-year partnership. The book follows two women, one of whom has been transformed into a tiger as they travel the world in search of the elusive titular island. Whoa! 
Whoa. 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 <laughs> Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips teaming up for Kill or Be Killed. I don't care what it's about. I don't care what happens. I am in. I'm buying all yeah. of it. It's going to be great. I, fe- <laughs> I feel bad because I always, always, always fall behind and eventually completely off every Ed Brubaker oh, and Sean man. Phillips This project. is the vigilante all stories. And he said Brubaker is describing it like Death Wish. Awesome. Ooh. Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. Greg Hinkle's got a new book coming out where he's doing the regular art, which has me excited. We love Greg Hinkle. It's also co-written by Ivan Brandon and Jason Latour. Cool. It's called Black Cloud. Yeah, that looks um, great. Matthew Wilson, the colorist, is doing the art with Hinkle. And all of them are having input on the story. So it's a really collaborative thing, they, they said. Uh, it's about a rebel leader from a world where imagination is literal and the best idea wins as she abandons her world for our own. They described it as Jessica Jones meets Roger Rabbit. Which we've all been clamoring for. <laughs> a noir detective story that moves back and forth between the two places. Yeah, I'm not really sure I understand exactly what that means. Oh, so here's the tagline. Our dreams at war. That's a good tagline. I okay. like that a lot. All right. So there's a lot of information and a lot of like comparisons packed into this little description. They're calling it like noir and sore in the stone stone style. Whoa. It's like, okay, I just, you had me at Greg Hinkle. Yeah. Stop. You had me at Jason Latour. <laughs> back up. Back I'm, up. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm going to read the title of this, the creators, and then I'm going to say three words. And if you're not excited for it, we're probably not friends. Brian Azzarello, Eduardo Rizzo. Yeah. Here's the three words. Gangsters, werewolves, and hillbillies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moonshine is the name of the book from the creators of 100 Bullets at Image. Oh, man. This is going to be gnarly, and I cannot wait. If you didn't read 100 Bullets, go back and do it. It is a wonderful Vertigo series. One of my favorite government conspiracy books ever written. You will love it. It's going to be great. Let's just uh, wrap up real quick here. Uh, I want to quickly mention the upcoming book Prima by Jen Van Meter and Rick Burchett. It's about a ballerina thief uh, and it's done in like 1950s style fashion art. It looks cool, but I wanted to uh, point it out specifically because I am a huge fan of Rick Burchett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great and totally underappreciated. No. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, Rick Burchett drew question huntress cry for blood miniseries by greg rucka okay yeah among many many other things he's also he's known for doing a lot of the batman animated comics as well yeah rick burchett is amazing and Super i love him guy and to have it done in this kind of old you know uh this old illustration style i think it's gonna be super great yeah but the last comic i want to mention is surgeon x it's written by uh, Sarah Kenny with art by John Watkiss. John Watkiss is a classic Vertigo artist. The big deal about Surgeon X is that Vertigo founder Karen Berger is returning to comics to edit it. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's 20 years in the future where the old killer diseases are have like resurged because people are idiots and don't vaccinate their children. You dummies. We just lost all our anti-vaxxers. Say, hey, you know what? Good riddance. Yeah. And oh, enjoy your polio. And now they're resistant to antibiotics. Uh, Rosa Scott does surgery in her basement with black market pharmaceuticals. So it's like an illegal 
doctor kind of setup, helping like people. What we do. Yeah, sort of like what yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> it's very exciting news to have Karen Berger back to comics. Uh, when she left Vertigo, that company took a blow. And to have her back doing this kind of stuff at Image is very exciting. Uh, another great image expo a lot of exciting announcements you can go online and see all of the announcements there are a lot of books we didn't mention everything on the list looks like a buy it everything but like with every image expo i'm sure there will be some that don't ever come out i yes. think somebody crunched the numbers recently and they said of like uh, out of let's just say 30 books that have been announced since the advent of the image expo only like 15 or 16 of them have actually come out that's a strong f that's <laughs> a failing grade. <laughs> because one rebirthing wasn't enough, DC Comics took to the stage at this week's Emerald City Comic Con and announced Young Animal, which is a new mature reader's pop-up imprint. God, I hate that. Spearheaded. I'm so sick of this pop-up bullshit. <laughs> it's spearheaded by the creative direction of Gerard Way. Way, of course, is best known as the lead singer of a terrible band called My Chemical <laughs> Romance, but is also beloved by comic fans for creating the Umbrella Academy with artist Gabriel Ba. And yeah. the not as memorable True Lives of the Fabulous Kill oh, that, And that was based on... Um, While very pretty looking, I have no clue what happened. And that was actually based on their music, Yeah, though. that's what happens when you bring your lyrics into comics. Way will also write or co-write several of the titles, which take place in the DC universe continuity, but with a mature reader's edge, it's being described as quote comics for dangerous humans <laughs> way cited the influence of experimental comics from the eighties and nineties as guides for how to take classic characters and concepts to new places. My closest comparison is Marvel Knights. Yeah. Which was Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti coming in, taking four or five characters at a time. Right. Reimagining them completely or not, you know, not completely, but doing their own unique spin on them. Sure. Giving you the troll a cell phone. Un yeah. <laughs> and then unleashing them into the Marvel universe. So dumb. <laughs> so the line is going to be led by Doom Patrol in September, written by Gerard Way with art by Nick Darrington. This sounds so cool. Influenced heavily by Grant Morrison's work on the title in the 80s. This new Doom Patrol only features one classic member, Robot Man. No negative man? No Elastigirl? But it does also feature Flex Mentallo, eh. who was not a member of the team. But I like the other members. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Flex Mentallo, of course, made his debut in Doom Patrol before getting his own miniseries by Morrison and Frank Quietly. Right. I'm okay with them bringing Flex into it, but come on. Where's the other members of the Doom Patrol? Next up is perhaps the comic book with the best title in history, and it's all caps everywhere I see it. So here we go. Here we go. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. That is awesome. <laughs> Writers Gerard Way and John Rivera join with artist Michael Avon Oming to take readers on a strange adventure with DC Comics Silver Age character Cave Carson, his cybernetic eye, and his college-aged daughter as they travel to dark places deep in the earth and mind. Cool. This one comes cool. in October. Cool. Also in October, Shade the Changing Girl, an alien takes over the body of a 16-year-old bully and must face the challenges of being a stranger in a foreign land, plus the consequences of a life she didn't live. This one's written by Cecil Castellucci. No idea. Who's, uh, who I do recognize from past Vertigo, Vertigo books, yes. Okay. 
artist is named Marley Zarcone. They plan to explore themes of madness, alienation, and the bizarre in this sci-fi thriller covers by Becky Cloonan. Love her. The image they showed looks cool. I never read Shade the Changing Man. I did. I really liked it. It was Peter Milligan and Chris Pacello, and it was awesome Vertigo stuff. All of this is sort of harkening back to this super trippy time in DC's history. Yeah, late 80s, early yeah, 90s. Where they let Grant Morrison and Garth Ennis just go nuts. Peter Milligan stuff. was Peter all Peter Milligan. And the last book announced was Mother Panic, which features Violet Page, a celebrity heiress by day and brutal vigilante by night. As she takes on the underbelly of Gotham City's high society. Who is Violet Page? A new character. All new. Yeah? Hitting shelves in November. This series is written by Gerard Way and Faith's Jody Hauser with art by Tommy Lee Edwards. They showed this graphic. It looks gorgeous. I love Tommy Lee Edwards. Yeah. Tommy Lee Edwards is a total badass. But this sounds like basically crazy female Batman. This sort of. Look, Young Animal is a fucking stupid name for... It is. For any sort of initiative, uh, publishing initiative. Yeah. But this sounds awesome. Yeah. I absolutely adore the idea of letting somebody like Gerard Way come in and pick a few ideas that inspire him and go crazy with it. Totally. Hot on the heels of that announcement was DC's Commandy Challenge. On Thursday, the publisher announced Commandy Challenge, a new 12 issue series in the spirit of 1985's DC Challenge. DC Challenge was a 12-issue miniseries that featured a round-robin-style creative team with each issue written and drawn by a different set of creators. Each issue ended on a cliffhanger for the subsequent creative team to solve. And at the time, DC said that it barred the different creative teams from consulting with one another about storylines. That's yeah. so fun. I know. Just like the original, this series will feature a new writer and artist in each issue to tell an interconnected story, in this case, about the last boy on Earth. Commandy. Commandy. Oddly, 13 creative teams were announced for the 12-issue project. They are Dan Abnett and Dale Eaglesham. Cool. Peter Tomasi and Neil Adams. Very cool. Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiani. Awesome. James Tynan IV and Carlos Danda. Danda. Bill Willingham and Ivan Rice. Steve Orlando and Philip Tan. Marguerite Bennett. Dan Jurgens, Keith Giffen and Steve Rude. Wow. Tom King and Kevin Eastman. Oh, my God. Greg Pack and Joe Prado. Rob Williams and Walter Simonson. Gail Simone and Ryan Souk. And as well, Len Wein and Jose Garcia Lopez. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Joe Patrick just wrote a love He's letter on my mountain. to that guy. This is awesome. I hope somebody in their issue just like has Commandy put a gun in his mouth in the last panel and shoot himself. <laughs> like, your turn. <laughs> Periscope is getting super pumped about this Commandy thing. Sir Jimothy said, it feels like a lightning bolt just struck him in the penis. It sounds so cool. I know. I love this. There's, there's no debut date yet, but Dan DiDio only recently tweeted hints that he finished assembling this group of creators. It's probably a safe bet. We're going to hear more about this when San Diego Comic-Con rolls on. I am very excited about I am this book. I'm way more pumped for these young, young Animal and the Commandy thing. Than I am for the Rebirth. Yeah, right? This sounds I, so much more inventive and cool. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I am cautiously optimistic about Rebirth, and I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely going to no, check I mean, out stuff we got excited about. Right. But like this is just like DC said, forget about sales. They're putting They're the creativity first. You know right? what this is? Blue sky thinking. I hate that term. Blue sky thinking. <laughs> <laughs> cool announcement. We'll have to see where they go. I guarantee it's good. We'll get more of this at San Diego. Oh, man. I'm excited. Bye -bye.
That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything you think we missed, hit us up on the big news section of the THN forums, where Joe and the Legion of Not Matt Bombs have posted their own untold tales of the Two-Headed Nerd Challenge book, featuring rotating creators writing stories of Joe and I in skimpy, torn-up clothes, being saved from zombies, dinosaurs, and killer robots by big, strong, sexy men. It's very cheesecake. Whoa. Very cheesecake. (laughs) Every week, my favorite damsel in distress, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the nerds for the 250th damn time? Which we haven't done. This is not the 250th question of the week. (laughs) This week's question comes from the GOAT, a.k.a. Patrick from Canada, who writes, quote, Answering this week's question, he means the Mount Rushmore question, right? got me thinking about another one. What was your first comic? Now, we have talked about this before, I believe, but it's been a long time. We've had some listener turnover, and he goes on to say that first can be interpreted any way you'd like. It can be, it can literally be the first comic you ever read, or it could be the comic that got you hooked on reading comics. Cool. So basically, just talk about the comic that ignited your love of comics. Losing your comic virginity. Your first time. Okay, fine. Your first time, baby. Was it awkward? Did you stumble around the pages? You did not know what to do? (laughs) (laughs) Gross. You have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, April 15th. That's tax day in America. To get us your answer... You can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 and leave a message. But if you're feeling challenged, you can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, you've got two minutes to do it. You know what will happen if you don't. If you need more time than that, head to the THN forums. That's thnforums.boards.net. All the smartest people in the world are there. It's true. All these Periscope fools are there. It's true. D. Murray, Black Scorpion, Anthony from Brooklyn. Not the jerks that make fat jokes. Patrick from Canada. (laughs) Not the jerks that make fat jokes. You can go to the question of the week section, write your full answer, go nuts. And then next Thursday, tune in to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN answer of the week podcast. It's only going to be like episode 142. It's not really a milestone. No. Yeah, you're right. We, we forgot to freak out about 140, but whatever. 140 is also not a milestone. Oh, sure it is. You don't get a milestone every 10. Yeah, yeah no. you do. <laughs> it's review time in the cigarette where we read and discuss two of this week's new comics and rate them on our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale. Joe, tell the nerds about the 250th comic you have chosen for your main review. This week I'm reviewing The Fix, number one from Image Comics, written by Nick Spencer with art by Steve Lieber. It's 40 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. A story of the crooked cops, scheming mobsters, and corrupt politicians that run things, and the sex toy that can bring them all down. Oh, and the hero is a drug-sniffing beagle named Pretzels. Bad people do bad things to each other in this frenetic, outrageous, sometimes off-putting new caper. If you liked classic crime comics like Criminal and 100 Bullets, we apologize in advance for letting you down. That's a great solicit. It really is. I love a good caper story, especially one that features a tongue-in-cheek, lighthearted tone. 
The fix number one isn't a caper story per se, though it does feature at least one where the perpetrators seem more concerned with helping the elderly victims win at bingo than anything else. That's the fix kind of in a nutshell. It's a story of two partners and friends bumbling criminals that are trying to hit that one big score that will help them pay off their debt to the local boss, but are going about it in maybe the dumbest way possible. They aren't good guys. The opening scene has them robbing an old folks home out of desperation, but they are really likable. You care what happens to them, despite the fact that they're kind of terrible. It's kind of odd. I I looked through the issue a second time as I wrote the review, and I think that they only mentioned the name of one of the main characters, Roy. Yeah, I think that's right. (laughs) And even so, it's only barely mentioned. But Nick Spencer is still able to make these guys so affable that you can't help but root for them. About a third of the way through, there's a big reveal about the real nature of our true protagonist that kind of spins the book in a new direction. I'm not going to spoil it here. Even though you can probably figure out what it is. It works really well, too. Yeah. And you, yeah, like I said, you may even see it coming, but I really enjoyed the added depth that it brought to these two guys. The issue is full of ridiculous supporting characters like Josh, who is the stay-at-home dad that just happens to be the boss of bosses. <laughs> and there's also Donovan, who is a Hollywood producer, and he reminded me of the erratic and hilarious cousin Ravi. Yeah. On the league or Rafi. Yeah. He's just like insano. Artist Steve Lieber is at the top of his game. The issue features nothing but talking heads and there's not a costume in sight, but Lieber still makes every page fun to look at. And there are plenty of visual gags that add to the humor. The palette that colorist Ryan Hill brings to the table is relatively muted, but it really adds to the art and the type of story that Spencer and Lieber are trying to tell. The issue ends with the introduction of a character that will either end up being Roy and his partner's best friend or their greatest nemesis. Either way, I'm on board. This was a wonderful first issue, and it makes you care about shitty characters doing shitty things. Yeah. With a hilarious script by Spencer, wonderful art by Lieber and Hill. I am very excited about this series, and it's off to a great start. I'm giving the fix a huge buy it. You know what this reminded me of? What's that? Terriers. Oh, yeah, Did yeah, you watch yeah. watch that show, Donal Logue and Michael Raymond James? Those are the voices I heard of these characters. And if they if this gets turned into a TV show, that's exactly who I want playing these characters. It was great. I loved it. I love Steve Lieber's art. I love the humor in this. I love the twists that the story kept taking that made perfect sense. So yeah. much fun. Huge buy it from me, too. Terriers are my very favorite breed. Cute and cuddly, easy dogs to feed. All right, Matt, what do you got for us this week? It's episode 250. It better be a good one. It's a huge one. The Black Panther is back from Marvel, written by Ta Nahisi Coates. I hope I'm saying that right. Art by Brian Stelfries, 40 pages, $4.99. Yeah, that seems like a lot. Uh, It's been five years since we've had a Black Panther monthly, but there's another Cap movie hitting theaters next month featuring the Wakandan King T'Challa, so the time is right. And Marvel even got a MacArthur Genius Grant and National Book Award winner to write it. I love the Black Panther. He's always been Marvel's Batman if he was a king of a highly advanced African nation. And for a long time there, you just couldn't mess with Wakanda. No invading force had ever conquered the nation, and they had the baddest king in the world watching over him. Then the Skrulls showed up in Secret Invasion. 
Then Namor flooded the whole place. Then the Panther's little sister, who was the Black Panther at the time, was murdered during the Infinity storyline. Yeah, she had it bad. Things have been rougher than usual for Wakanda, and Coates is playing it up big time. The Wakandan people have lost respect for their leader, and they're calling him the Orphan King, and an unseen force is stoking their worst fears and doubts. It's always scary when a relative outsider comes into write comics, but Coates does a wonderful job dropping readers right into the story without forcing anything. I'm not used to seeing T'Challa doubting himself or even being questioned by his people, but Coates does a wonderful job playing on recent continuity to make this story work. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by how much it embraced. Yeah. The current events in Marvel. Which, I was really expecting this to be kind of a clean slate, and it's not. Not at all. Not that it's hard to follow. It's, but it's, it's right. It's firmly in continuity in a really good way. Which seems to be the marching orders for Marvel as a whole. Like if we're doing this, we're we're doing it based on the fact that you read this stuff, and they're, maybe they're trying to sell trades of the old stuff. I don't know, but I like it. There isn't much action here, but the depth of the story and the pacing are so good. It's hard to believe this is Coates' first foray into comic book storytelling. Right, but I get the impression that he is definitely a fan. Yeah, oh, definitely. You know, it's important to know, you know... He's a nerd, there's no you question. You mentioned, uh, you know, quote-unquote, outsiders coming to comics. We mean, like, in the early 2000s, we used to get a lot of novel writers yeah. and, and TV writers... Script writers. ...coming and... into comics because that's what Marvel thought would sell books. Right. And a lot of times, those writers, as talented as they may have been, just didn't really... Get the character. Made for some really bad Cable and Daredevil stories. Yeah. Brian Stillfreeze was a legendary comic artist in the 80s and 90s, and then he seemed to vanish. I cannot tell you how pleased I am to have him back, and wow, this was an awesome way to return. Stillfreeze both drew and colored this issue, and it crackles with life. It's gorgeous. From the emotion of his character's faces during the protests of the vibranium mine to his vision of Wakanda, very Jack Kirby-inspired, his heavy lines and thick black shadowing brought real feeling to every panel. This is a fantastic relaunch for the Black Panther, but like Joe and I said, it does play heavily off Marvel continuity. They they spell it all out. They spell it's it out. It's not like it's not so much so that you're going to be lost. You're not going to be lost at all. No, but it definitely has a lot to do with what's been going on. It's got on. some baggage. Still, if you've been craving a good Black Panther read, you cannot go wrong here. Biggest buy it I can give it. I love it. It was super good. Yeah. It's weird because I saw some split opinions uh, about it. I agree. Our friend Patrick said it was one of the most boring comics he's read in a really long time. See, I was like, well, I don't get that. And I admit, not a lot of action, but I mean, they're setting up something sure. huge. I, it wasn't exciting in an action kind of way, but it was compelling. Yes. I saw some people point out that it was $5. It was listed as 40 pages. Yes, but that includes all the ads. Yeah, not just that. That also includes like the title pages and stuff. Where sure, right, and the you know the think piece in the back and the and the and I, I get it's all content. It was a little expensive. I can't blame the creators for that. No, no, you can't. And honestly, if you want to sell this Marvel and it sold out, so their gamble worked. But do it for a buck ninety nine. The people are a little bit divided on it, but for the most part, I think people are very excited about this book. Right. I'm giving it a huge bite. I love the Black Panther. I'm glad he's back. Yeah. And the art. I can't say enough about it. Yeah. Stelfreeze killed it, man. Glorious. Killed it. Glorious. So that is a double buy it for both The Fix number one and Black Panther number one. We're feeling good today. It's episode 250. 
Now it's time for you smashing grabbers and African monarchs to play critics, so head over to the THN forums and hit us with your opinions of these comics. Many of you might not know it, but Joe Patrick is a huge fan of professional golf. Oh, absolutely. So this year, I decided to treat him to the best seats at the house at the big dance, the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. But the gallery wasn't good enough for my best buddy. So I borrowed an Ant-Man and a Yellow Jacket costume so we could both shrink to microscopic size to see what it feels like to actually ride one of Jordan Spieth's drives. So hold on, Joey. We're about to get smacked about 300 yards that away while we review 10 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed. Ludicrous Speed, go! Rough Riders, number one from Aftershock. Supernatural writer Adam Glass teams with the always wonderful Pat Olaf for some pseudo-historical fiction featuring Teddy Roosevelt's team of secret adventurers. I remember those guys. They Fun. were badass. Yeah. Fun stuff in the vein of other... Our famous forefathers were secretly superheroes stories yeah, like... Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer. The Five Fists of Science, that sort of stuff. <laughs> this moves at a slower pace as only two members of the team are recruited, but it's necessary character building... I don't always enjoy Adam Glass's comics, though I love Supernatural, but I really liked this. Great art by Olaf, who I have loved since he first hit the scene more than 20 years ago. Another hit from Aftershock, and I can't wait for more. Rough Riders number one gets a buy it. Gold Key Alliance number one from Dynamite. Writer and friend of the show, Phil Hester, reimagines Dr. Solar, Turok, Magnus Robot Fighter, and the Mighty Samson all in the same time and on the same planet for the very first time. Ooh. Here, Turok is a park ranger at a dinosaur refuge. Magnus is protecting politicians from robot assassins. A female Doc Solar is working with a poor African village. And Samson is a homeless lunatic that sees demons everywhere. <laughs> Hester does a great job reinventing four characters very quickly in one title. It left me interested in wanting more. Brett Peoples art was good here, but a little inconsistent from panel to panel. I always wanted to care about Gold Key characters, and this might finally get me. I'm given Gold Key Alliance, number one, a buy it. Bloodlines, number one from DC. Hey! Because we demanded it! It is the return of Loose Cannon, Gunfire, and Razor Sharp of the Cyber Rats. Why did they make me wait so long? That no one demanded. <laughs> Writer JT Kroll is back at DC for a story that's more boring, insufferable high school drama than sci-fi action. Artist V. Ken Marion delivers the exact kind of art you'd expect from an Aspen Comics veteran, though it's not really all that bad if you think about it. The whole exercise seems completely pointless, especially with Rebirth on the horizon. Why did DC decide that this event, of all of the events they could have done, this event needed reimagining. JT Kroll knows where the bodies are buried, and he demanded it. I guess. He came in the office like, to Dio, I get bloodlines, or I'm telling everybody. <laughs> I'm giving the CW's bloodlines number one. I'll leave it. Think Tank, Creative Destruction number one from Image. Writer Matt Hawkins and artist Rashawn Ekadal's Think Tank returns as an ongoing series, and this time it's in color. I've been a fan of this series since I first reviewed it way back in 2012 on THN episode 77. That was like 30 years ago, I think. It's so long. The story follows a slacker weapons developer, David Lauren, and his misfit team 
Here, an unknown enemy has attacked and destroyed the U.S. tech infrastructure, and some think it might be Lorne himself. Think Tank is a heady story that examines how a pacifist develops weapons to stop war. Check this book out if you haven't. It is so fun and well-written. Giving it a buy it. Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad April Fool's Day special from DC. Ugh. <laughs> the new post-rebirth team of Rob Williams and Jim Lee join with artist Sean Cheeks Galloway. Whoa. <laughs> I love that. Can team. we call him Butt Cheeks? No. <laughs> that's rude. Sean Butt Cheeks Galloway. <laughs> to bring us an odd one shot that leads directly into the new series. That's right, folks. It looks like Rebirth is starting early, and I don't think this is the only DC book this week that's setting things up for the non-reboot reboot. Harley decides to get back into the psychiatry business as she tries to quote-unquote cure supervillains of their criminal tendencies. It all goes horribly wrong, of course, and there's a twist at the end that presents an interesting wrinkle in the future of the character and her team. Though Lee's art seemed kind of rushed at times, I actually kind of enjoyed this Kind of. Okay. Harley is still Harley, and that's not really my thing. But her new costume is cool, and there's a cosmetic course correction to one classic character that fixed one of my number one beefs about the New 52. Okay. I don't know that I'll follow this book regularly once it relaunches, but I'm at least interested in checking it out when I was not before. Harley Quinn yada yada special gets a strong skimmit. So this is technically pre-birth. Pre-birth. It's going to go pre-birth, rebirth, afterbirth. Yeah, yeah, you okay. got it. Got it, got it. <laughs> Empress, number one from Image. Mark Miller is back with another new series, but this time at Marvel's somewhat forgotten icon imprint, which leads me to ask, is the Miller World Image imprint dead? Maybe. I don't know. Well, no, there is no Miller World Image imprint. There are only the books that Mark Miller puts out I through guess. Image. I thought it was Miller World at Image, but regardless... Miller. Everything he does is part of Miller World. Yeah, Matt. Like, I, I think you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. Regardless, Miller seems to be going for a more action packed version of Saga, featuring a queen married to a psychotic alien king fleeing her husband with her kids in tow. Ridiculous spaceship action, excellent dialogue, and art by the incomparable Stuart Immerman. He's so good at stupid. Yeah. This is high action sci fi with a heart. Empress number one gets a buy it, and it's probably being adapted to the big screen. As I read this. Absolutely. I think before it even came out, probably. probably. Grizzly Shark, number one from Image. As we reported a few weeks ago, Grizzly Shark is back and in full color. There's not too much more for me to say about this book other than that this is still a hilarious, outrageous B-movie romp featuring human characters even more ridiculous than the monster that's hunting them. Even though the color by Ivan Placentia adds a lot to Ryan Artley's great art, this is a reprint, so I have to review it with that caveat. If you haven't read it before, seek it out and buckle up. If you picked up the original version, this is still worth a quick look on the stands while you wait for the next issue with all new content. I'm giving Grizzly Shark number one a very, very strong skimmit. Star Wars Poe Dameron number one from Marvel. Charles Soule writes the best damn fighter pilot the Rebellion has with a little help from Phil Noto on art. Noto seems to be trying something a little different here using less of the sort of watercolor shading that I've known him for, and going for an almost cartoon look at times. Soul nails Poe's sarcastic dialogue and gives me some chuckle moments during this story that takes place before episode seven. Poe Dameron is another fantastic addition to the Marvel Star Wars stable. Buy this, buy this, buy this. 
Maybe Phil Noto didn't color it, and that's why it looks different. That could be. Spider Women Alpha from Marvel. It's plural. I love Spider Woman. I think it's one of Marvel's best titles, but I don't give a about Spider Gwen. And though I enjoyed what I've read of it, I'm really behind on Silk. I want to know who does give a about Spider Gwen. Speak up. Lay it Look, on us. Lots of people. Lots Lay, of people. Let's hear it's from just, you guys. Lay it's it just on not us. for me. Not now, but I mean, send us an yeah. MP3 or an email. So this new crossover presents a problem for me. I, I feel like I need to read it to keep up on the one book involved that I actually follow. And maybe that's my own baggage, but it's worth pointing out that if you're not reading all of these titles, you need to prepare for one or two of the books you enjoy to get sidetracked for a couple months. As for the issue itself, it's not bad. I like the idea that Silk, Spider-Gwen, and Spider-Woman get together for dimension hopping downtime. Though it does seem weird to me that Jessica Drew would have this kind of bond with a pair of characters that are much younger than she is. Is it just because of the whole spider thing? I guess. I don't know. Maybe they're cousins. They all have spider in their name. You're sure right. Writer Rob Williams seems to have a firm grasp of all three characters. My art therapist, Keith Silva, has been helping me work through my issues with artist Vanessa Del Rey. And I think I've made a breakthrough. <laughs> Though I, I still think that she is a peculiar choice for this kind of universe-spanning superhero adventure. I found myself really appreciating her work in this issue. The bottom line here is that I don't know if I care enough to follow this crossover except out of a grudging sense of obligation brought on by my own psychosis. Wow. But I found myself enjoying what I read in this issue. And so with all that in mind, Spider-Woman Alpha gets a skim it. Bruce Lee, Rise of the Dragon, number one from Darby Pop. Looking at the title, Rise of the Dragon, I would have guessed it was an autobiographical story of young Bruce Lee. And wow, was I wrong. This is the story of a time-displaced Bruce Lee who, just before his death, was frozen in a cosmic-looking cube, only to be awakened in the year 2012 when a security guard spills his coffee in the circuitry. Why this takes place four years ago? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it's an old book that... I don't know. Why is being reprinted? Why Bruce Lee's estate signed off on this? I also have is no idea. co-written by the widow of Bruce Lee? I don't know. Shannon Lee? And why Jim Kelly... Enter the Dragon co-star shows up at Bruce Lee's best friend under a different name, left me scratching my head too. This wasn't poorly executed, just a dumb story idea, but I guess it's the all-ages Bruce Lee story kids have been begging for. <laughs> Look, it's goofy, but I thought it had a charm. I'm giving it a skim it. I thought it had charm, and I thought the art was good. It wasn't, again, not poorly executed. I had fun reading it. That is your ludicrous speed round, and Gwar is the onomatopoeia of the week, the name of one of my favorite thrash metal bands, and also the sound of a deer being possessed by an alien, as seen in this week's issue of Bloodlines number one. Now, head to toitanerd.com and check out some better informed reviews of even more of this week's comics from host of the Comics Therapy Podcast and our trusty love slave, Mr. Aaron Myers. Guys, I've got to break some bad news to Matt, and I'm not sure how he's going to take it. So just play it cool for a minute. Hey, Matt? Matt! No, I'm debugging the Alec Baldwin AI. What, what do you need? Can you come into the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for just a second, please? All right, what do you need? What's going on? Look, I've got some bad news, buddy. I just got a text from Dead Man. Merle Haggard died. What? 
No! The Okie from Muskogee himself? Yeah, buddy. Oh. I, I'm sorry for your loss, but before you break out the whiskey and PBRs, can you keep it together long enough to tell these nerds about your must-read pick for next week? I'm going to start drinking right now, but my must-read pick for next week is Black Road, number one from Image, written by Brian Wood with art by Gary Brown. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Meet Magnus the Black. Neither clean nor sober, neither Christian nor pagan, but a man true to his word. When a ranking official under his care is brutally murdered, he's prepared to hunt the killers to the frozen tip of Norway. Religious war be damned! Northlanders creator Brian Wood returns to the Viking genre along with artist Gary Brown and Dave I'm trying to, how would I do McKeg when the C is not? It just say McKeg. Keg! <laughs> I think you could just consider that C in caps as well. In this all new series, I love Brian Wood. I love Gary Brown. I loved Northlanders. I love it when this guy writes Vikings. This sounds like Viking detective work. Weird, cool, awesome. I'm in. Yeah. Joe Patrick, what's your pick for next week? Next week, my pick is Heartthrob number one from Oni Press, written by Christopher Sabella, friend of the show. Art by Robert Wilson IV and Nick Filardi. It's your standard 32 pages for $3.99. A new series about bank heists and thieving hearts from Christopher Sabella and Robert Wilson. You know what? I read all that stuff already. Callie Boudreaux hasn't been herself lately. After a lifetime sidelined by illness, she's rescued by a miracle cure in the form of heart transplant surgery. But the life she returns to doesn't fit her anymore. Which is... Besides the morally questionable job, the crappy boyfriend, and the crippling hospital bills, Callie finds herself developing new tastes, unfamiliar urges, and a mouth like a sailor. Huh. As she balances what she has to do with what she wants to do, a mystery man shows up to teach her that instead of waiting for her new life, she should go out and steal it. A lot going on here. Yeah, so this, to me, seems like the sort of story where it's like, you got something transplanted into your body from another person and it's making you act like that other person. And that other person was some sort of villainous scoundrel or like that guy that was working on the railroad and like hit an air pocket and a spike shot through his skull. And he's a totally different person afterwards. That's a true story. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Crazy. Like he was super nice. And then afterwards he was like a son of a bitch to his wife and an alcoholic. Man, it's, real life is even weirder I than know. science I fiction know, right? sometimes. Look, I like, I like Christopher Sabella a lot. This looks like fun. I love Sabella. I'm excited to read it. Heartthrob. The THN Trade of the Week goes to I Am a Hero Omnibus, Volume 1 from Dark Horse Comics, written and drawn by Kengo Hanazawa, 512 pages for $19.99. What? What a steal. Good Lord. Here's your solicit. A mentally unhinged manga artist witnesses the beginning of a zombie outbreak in Tokyo, and he's certain of only two things. He's destined to be the city's hero, and he possesses something quite rare in Japan, an actual firearm. <laughs> so this is like an NRA-sponsored Japanese book. Yeah. The Shokugakukuen Manga Award winner. Shogakukan. <laughs> comes to Dark Horse. It contains I Am a Hero, Japanese volumes one and two. I hope that doesn't mean it's in Japanese. No. Not from Dark Horse. No. Surely. Come on. It sounds weird as hell. I'm totally in. Cleon would be so proud at that us. I picked a manga Reaching book out pick of the week. to our manga fans. Yeah. Manga. We'll this year has been tough for Matt, who feels strangely connected to outlaw country stars of the 1970s. You wouldn't understand! Well, I, <laughs> we'll 
While I try and help him get a tear out of his beer, why don't you guys head to the THN forums and tell us what we should be reading next week? Now it's time for a very special 250th episode Ask a Nerd segment where we're going to talk about us with some of the stars of the answer of the week. Ask a Nerd's great. You guys hit us with questions and uh, we play the smartest nerd in the room and answer them for you. Joey, where are we starting first? Well, first up, we got a really sweet message from D. Murray. Oh. Hey guys, the Say it ain't so. 250 episodes. You guys made it. 250, man. You guys been doing this for a while. Like, you know, you skip some weeks here and there, have some guests host on every once in a while, but 250 episodes. Very happy for you guys. When I started listening to podcasts, like, I went to a lot of various sites, listened to a lot of different podcasts, Astonishing X, uh, a lot of other stuff that's out there, iFanboy, just a lot of different variety of comic book podcasts. I want to listen to people who share my passion of comic books and knew about the history, knew about the lineage. There's a lot of stuff out there that does not know the lineage, does not know the history of comic books, but you guys capture it very well with the comedic value from Matt and the passion from Joe. Ha, I'm you guys the funny one. each other out very well, and I love listening funny to you every looking. single week. And the fact that you guys have two, two podcasts every single week it's fun. It's, it's stupid. Good. It gives you in a happy, fun mood. Irresponsible. I like listening to it. I like hearing all the people calling with their answer of the week. Probably like one of the best part of you guys is the answer of the week because you don't just listen to people's calls. You put in your opinion on top of it. You talk about nostalgia from your life also. Same thing with the news. Same thing with the comic books you guys talk about. You don't just talk about the comic books. You talk about how it affects you. You talk about what you like and what you don't like about it, but you go into a value where you're not just nitpicking. You just talk about stuff that you guys both share and care about. That's why I like listening to you guys. 250 episodes, that's a, that's a big milestone, as Matt would say. I hope you guys have 250 more. Take it easy. This guy. This guy. That Chiptunes version of Saint Ain't So was killer. That was totally rad. That was totally awesome. Thank you, D. That's yes. very sweet of you, buddy. But you know what? He didn't ask any damn questions. He didn't. Let's get to it. Let's that's, get to it. He sent that in before I asked for questions. You know who did ask some questions? Jim Ketnerd. He sent us some comics this week, too. They're hey, awesome. Hey, Matt. Whoa, dudes. 250 episodes. That is truly insane. As a novice podcaster with one show at 36 and another at just four, I applaud your dedication to providing such rad free entertainment. The show rules. And fun fact, I discovered Please the show before serious dental work and listened to my first dose of THN on high volume while getting a root canal. Yeah. Anyways, now that I've grossed you out, I have a question for you nerds. The interactive nature of the show is the best thing about it, and you've managed to do something that even the 90s hardcore scene couldn't, and that's turn me into a message board guy. So my question is, what is the secret origin of the THN forums? Thanks, guys, and here's the 250 more. Oh, Cheers. Uh, that's easy. Facebook sucks, and it's a bad way to host a forum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we wanted we wanted a way to interact with the listeners where we could just Really, having a forum was the best way to find old conversations, right. keep keep conversations going for you know more than a day, and direct some really nerdy stuff to really nerdy people that want to nerd out on right. This. Whereas Facebook, anybody can post it, our friends see it and stuff. We we wanted a place for guys that love this show, guys and girls that love this show, to go 
be totally welcome, be completely fearless with their opinions, and just have comic talk, man. It's a virtual comic book store. I mean, really... Only you can't buy anything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, having a message board is a very, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s kind of... We're old farts. Yeah, but... Really, I, we couldn't think of a better way to actually have an online community where we could get together with you guys yeah. and actually interact in more or less real time. The answer of the week is great, and we we love you know riffing off the things that you say and send in, but that's not live, you know, and that's not the same as immediately being able to answer right. you know something that uh, that my friend Chris wants to know about the Daredevil show or that uh, or that. Uh, Cleon posts about manga suggestions to right. read. It's, also, it's a way for our listeners who are awesome and call in and play in the show and know about stuff that we don't know to add to the discourse. And a, and a great way for the listeners to get to know each other. Yeah, that's exactly why we did it. Thank you Secret very origin. much for your question, Cat Nerd. Black Scorpion the Three! He's got a question. He says, please don't feel like I'm piling on with Matt's harassment, Joe. Give oh, great. Break. Oh, great. I'd say I was first hooked to THN Probably with uh, Toots' answer about comic relics and the Serpent Crown history way back in uh, 2014. That was awesome. And even though I've been uh, an avid listener for over two years now, uh, something's come up a lot that I don't know the history of. Um, For over two years now, Matt has been harassing Joe on the podcast about a forthcoming two-headed nerd comic. And I don't know the context of it. I, I don't know if this Bravo. is a running joke, Bravo. if it's a real thing. And if it is a real thing, what was, what was the premise of the comic going to be? It was just going to be like, uh, nerd heads, do your thing. Then you clang your heads together and you make like a two-headed nerd by beast sort of thing. Um, yeah, but that's why I wanted to we know We might about. steal that idea. Uh, happy 250th. Looking forward to hearing another 250. It's more of a by curious beast. Tell you the truth. <laughs> Yes, there is an, a real idea. I've already fleshed out the first couple issues. And See, you Joe keep Patrick, saying issues. I envision it more of like a webcomic. Yeah, where no, it's it'd like, be a webcomic. We break it up, yes. Like four panels at a time. Yeah, but I'm writing it in issue form. You, okay. That's up to you. That's what the artist does. You know, that's not my problem. Well, but the story paced totally differently if we're Joe, talking about a comic strip Joe drew some, a comic book. Joe drew some character sketches that I really liked, and he refuses to do any more work. No. Ref- Look, I drew the first installment. I drew the first scene. No, scene, not installment. <laughs> like, what would that, what would be the first webcomic? But the first four panel scene. It's going to be I, if we ever do it, and if other people want to help, since Joe can't be bothered. No, no one else is invited to <laughs> well, draw then, this comic. Then you have to do it. You have to. You have to right now. You have to say. I'm doing it. And you I'm have to, but you just have to deal with it. You and have to I'm going to deal with do my, it. it being done in my own time. Your own time. My own time. This was an idea we had more than a year ago. More than two years ago. Okay. More issues of J.H. Williams Sandman came out in that time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I wanna, let's see. In my phone, I have Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd script notes from One Map Bomb uh, recorded into the notes on my phone. December 1st, 2013. Oh. At 3.25 okay. p.m. <laughs> so two years at six months ago. Two and ago. a half years ago. <laughs> so yes, I really want to do it. And I just wanted to write, I want to write some super wacky, ridiculous, like comic book inspired tales of Joe and I's adventures as the two-headed nerd, where 
we get into a, a magic wrestling singlet and we become this giant two-headed thing that fights monsters, robots, no spoilers. interdimensional, you know, creatures. And Beeps is sort of our uh, Nick Fury. Yeah. He wears an eye patch and he's got a belt with a robot arm that holds a gun. Yeah. And he smokes cigars. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> and like he talks. Nick, and he talks. Just like Nick Fury. <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously. I want it to happen so bad. You guys jump on Joe. Beat him up. Make it happen. Please. Drawing comic. Look, drawing comics is very difficult and very time consuming. And I was a little burnt out at the time. I'm, I'm slowly like getting the wheels going again on the drawing thing this year. Part of my resolution was to use this, uh, daily drawing thing I'm doing to kind of get inspired to do the two headed nerd comic. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You act like I can just snap my just fingers and make it, it happen. You can. Drawing's easy. Writing is hard. Everybody knows that. That is such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Anthony currently residing in Brooklyn. He hits us with a question. We love this guy. We just talked to him live on the phone. It was awesome. What's up, fellas? It's your old buddy, Anthony Collin. And I was going to prepare something super sweet and thoughtful and poignant to say for your 250th episode. But ultimately, I just want to thank you uh, and congratulate you on 250 episodes of wonderful entertainment. Uh, And I would also like to thank you for giving me a place to hang my nerd hat and openly discuss things that nobody in my life cares about but me. So <laughs> thank you from the bottom of my heart for that, and congratulations. Uh, but I do have a question for you, and uh, it's the nerd bet. Like, I love it when you guys call nerd bets, and I want to know, uh, is this something you do just for the show, or is this? have you done nerd bets since you guys met? Um, and are these tallied anywhere? Um, do you guys keep track of them? Are there any outstanding? And who's winning? I want to know. All right, guys, we'll talk soon. That's Take care. Good question, Anthony. Nerd bets kind of came out of old comic store discussions that we had when yeah, we were trying to predict the I future and really stuff. I really feel like we made a lot of bets back then. No, but I mean, like we definitely, the whole nerd bet thing came out of that. And yeah. I love the nerd bet that we do on the show. We need to do it more. We need to make a conscious effort to do that more because they are so fun. We do keep track of them. Yeah, I have notes. Here is a, here are the notes, uh, it's been a while since this has been updated. We we need to have a little section on our website with these, or at least on the forums. <laughs> sure, yeah. Let's put them on the forums. That's a better place. So here are some of the nerd bets that we've made over the years. Um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens would will make at least two hundred and twelve million dollars in its opening weekend. Says Matt. Joe said it would be more like two hundred and thirty. We were both way off. Joe was right because it, it was, was like six hundred billion. It smashed <laughs> both of those numbers. Uh, would Dr. Fate appear in the Constantine TV show? Matt says, nuh-uh, and Joe said, yuh-huh. Constantine was canceled, so that nerd bet was canceled. Wrong! The show ran for a certain amount of episodes. He did not appear. I win. No way! That show was canceled! Doesn't nerd matter! Nerd bet canceled! Did he appear? The helmet of fate was there! Did Dr. Fate appear? I refuse to accept no, this. that's a win. That's, that's a not, win. That is not a win! Mark it a win! The show was canceled! <laughs> uh, Ryan Gosling... Uh, there was a rumor going around that Ryan Gosling was going to be dead shot yes. in the Suicide Squad movie. Yep. That turned out being Will Smith. So obviously I lost that Mark one. Mark it a win. You get a win. Uh, I said that there was no way that the Fox's Lucifer show was going to actually be called Lucifer. I was wrong. Win for me. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, and that piece of got renewed for a second season. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Wah. Oh, my God. 
uh, because of a literal pact with Satan. Matt said that Wolverine would be back from the dead in less than six months. I said way longer. So I won that one. I guess. Yeah, you won that one. I said at some point within the next five years, we would see a live action version of Squirrel Girl. Uh, either in the movies or on Netflix. Ongoing. And oh, oh the bet is ongoing. The bet is ongoing. Yeah, yeah, the bet is ongoing. Yeah. We probably should have put a date on that one. Yeah. Superman v. Batman will make at least $200 million in its opening weekend, says I, and I think that I won that one. What did I say? It doesn't say. Oh, I didn't say mine? Oh, yeah. I mean, it made $400. Uh, the last one we have recorded here on the phone is that you said Cullen Bunn's Magneto would be canceled before issue 12. It was not. I won that one. I thought it, I thought it only made it to 10. No. Oh, really? You, you recorded winner, Joe Patrick. Oh, okay. So that's a win for you. So I'm still up by two. No, I have three and you have three. No, I have. That's 50-50. I have six. You have three. I'm up by two. That's no wrong. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, the nerd bets, we do record them. Uh, we should probably take better care of. Let's get them on the forums. Well, these are so old. We've made some recently that we didn't even write down. Yeah. No, we'll get, I'm saying we're going to get a nerd bet forum where we'll, we will record these and we'll keep a tally of the winner and stuff like that. There you go. And you guys can make your own nerd bets. Throw up sure, your own yeah. nerd bets. Throw, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Good question, Anthony. I love the nerd bet. We need to do more of that. I promise. We, we used to award and take away nerd stripes. That's true. Um, but we don't really we don't really reference the nerd stripes too often anymore. No, no, no. But we should. That should be what we win. Stripes. Like and like sergeants, like uh, yeah. you know, military stripes yeah, on, yeah. on your arm. Camarillo Brillo, Carl Smith, the goad kicker himself. He gave us three questions to pick from. So we're gonna pick our favorite one and answer it. Hey Joe and Matt, congratulations on two hundred and fifty shows. This is Carl Smith. I was curious, at what point did you decide to commit fully to doing this show, especially as you separated the answer of the week out into a second show? It obviously takes a lot of work and your production values are very high, so you're spending quite a bit of time preparing and editing. Uh, at what point did you decide, instead of just setting a microphone live and having fun with it, that you would offer such a slick product? And do you regret committing to the show now that you've done 250 of them? Thanks, guys. That's a, yes, I do regret That's it. a good question. Okay, so. I love this question. Yeah, when did we decide that we were actually going to put some real effort into it? That would have been right after I listened to the very first episode. <laughs> now, I feel like it wasn't that long before we, even though we were still set up, you know, on that card table at the shop. Yeah. We had microphones not before too long. We got mics pretty quick. It, the honest to God truth is, as a musician who has been in the studio a lot, I love sound, and I was very used to working to achieve good sound, and I love gear. I'm a drummer. Drummers love gear. So it did not take a big push for me to buy a bunch of stuff to build a little makeshift studio in the office of my house, in the ziggurat, if you will. Don't pull back the curtain too Yeah, much. sorry about that. <laughs> And quite honestly, I love podcasts. I love podcasting, but I can't listen to a show if the sound quality is terrible. I can't do it. It drives me nuts. And it's not that difficult. Does it take extra work? Yes. But I think it's totally worth it. Is his wife going to divorce him over it? Probably. Yes. But I think it's worth the final product. And you know what? Your show sounds great, Cam. You, I can tell you went for it and said, I want this to sound pretty good. And you've got music fading in and out and stuff. You know it. It's not that difficult. It does take a little extra work. Totally worth the final product. Now, I mean, the, not everyone is going to have access to the equipment or be able to afford the equipment. Or, sure. Or even like your co-host doesn't live in the same state or in some cases, even the same country. Right. 
So yeah, you're going to have a conversation. You're going to have to be dealing with Skype or something like that. And that's just as good as your internet connection. So for us, we were always in the same room. We've been pretty much joined at the hip for the last 16 years. And so it was just easy to transition from hanging out and talking in the shop to recording our conversations in the shop to actually having a product that we're proud of that we want to share with people. As for, you know, kind of growing the show and and making more work for ourselves by having a second show and all that stuff, that just kind of organically grew out of the growing audience. You know, we used to... Yeah, it was entirely for you guys, for, honestly. We for, wanted to hear more from you. Well, and yeah, I, I mean, it, it's for us in the <clears throat> sense that we wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah, but also I don't... I didn't really feel like anybody else was doing that. I don't know if anyone else... I know people do interviews and stuff like that. But I don't know if anybody else with a comic book podcast specifically was reaching out to their audience. Like I wanted to try and do like a live call in show, like a Jim Rome type call in show. But that's really difficult to round people up and be like, we're going to be live from this time to this time. So I think the voicemail thing worked much better. And I love that show just because we get to hear so many different opinions from you guys. Right. When we came up with the idea of doing the question of the week, it used to just be a really simple thing. We threw it up on Facebook and people would answer it. Yeah. And then we started reading the answers on the show. Then we turned it into a segment on the show, and it was in the main show. Uh, it was one of our weekly segments. Or did we do it every week? We didn't do it every week. I think we did. Shit, we did. Yeah. Oh my god. We oh, did. maybe we only like read the. Maybe we only like read the the top ten or. Yeah, something. we just read a couple. So yeah, then it was a segment we did on the show every week, and it just kept getting more and more involved yeah uh because we got a better and better response and then uh, we then we spun it off into its own show where we devoted way more time to the answer of the week portion but still that was all just written responses from facebook and twitter and then we started taking audio shows our audio calls and from there it was just like well so much better we yeah for one thing it's so much better it's it's a way for the listeners to be much more engaged yeah and for us to connect with you guys. And we knew that that kind of thing couldn't be half-assed. We joke about how it's not, we, we don't do any of the work because you guys fill all the content, but it's a ton of work. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> just bleeping your filthy mouth. <laughs> but once, once people started to uh, express their uh, enjoyment and their interest in the show by submitting audio calls, like it takes effort on your part too, to stop what you're doing and, Make yeah. a phone call or record an MP3 and email it instead of just typing something on Facebook. Right. And we knew that once you guys started being that into it, that we were going to have to like really make that show into something fun. Yeah, we couldn't stop it. And we couldn't just cram it into a 10 minutes at the end of every episode. It had to be its own thing. I fought you on that one for a long time. <laughs> you did not. <laughs> we're actually going to record the answer of the week after right after this. Carl Camarillo, thanks so much, man. Thanks to everybody that called in with your questions and your compliments. Thanks to everybody who listens to this damn show. Seriously. It is very humbling to the uh, to think that there are, is... Upwards of 20 of you. Any out there. number of people. <laughs> you know, a dozen of people out there. At least a baker's dozen. That care enough, that care enough not only to listen to the show and interact with us about the show, but to support the show in financial ways and in other ways that are just as meaningful, like sharing it on Twitter and on Facebook and sure. tonguing it up to their friends. And it's all super important. And we're so grateful. And 
we make a lot of jokes about how much work it is and how uh, crushing it is and how uh, it, we never make any money of it. But how I much really crap we have to read. <laughs> I, I can't imagine at this point. I can't imagine really not doing it. I know. I feel guilty. When um, I'm the guy that says it's okay to take a break. Sometimes they'll be the listeners will be okay without us. You know, I I couldn't imagine going uh, too long without no without no talking way. to you guys. So thank you for everything, Joe. Uh, and this is going to sound really weird because it's not going to be at the very end of the episode. But speaking of interacting <laughs> with these guys, if they want to play Ask a Nerd, how do they get a hold of us? What do they do? If you've got an Ask a Nerd question for us, you can hit us up on uh, Facebook or on Twitter or on email. Or, and this is the preferred way. Yes. You can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 or send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Keep it concise. We want to hear it. Concise. We want to hear it in your voice. Yes. Uh, you don't want us to just read your, your question and butcher it. We want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, just like these guys did, just like Anthony did when he belittled, or Black Scorpion did when he belittled me about failing <laughs> to draw my own damn comic book. And it could be about anything. Anything. It could be about comic us. Related. It could be about comic books. It could be anything you want. You can also go to the forums and post there. And if we like it, we might just grab you and say, we're using your question. Yeah. And then we will force you to make a recording. That's right. Break it down like this. And that is it for episode 250 of THN. If you dig podcasts that haven't made a dime in five years, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. It's super important, you guys, because every time you do that, it jumps us up in the list of comic book podcasts so other people can find us. I can't believe you didn't say anything about it being a milestone. You will say milestone for I any I said excuse. milestone three times in the intro. All right. Milestone, milestone, milestone. Okay, because this time it is an actual milestone. Hashtag milestone. Thank you to our latest sustaining donor. Get this. Michael Severe. That guy is so cheap. I can't believe it. Host of The Bottom Line, which you can and should find on the Omaha World Herald website. I was just a guest on it yesterday. That's right. Talking about meatballs. Yes. And Batman v Superman. Oh, boy. Yeah. We got into it. And our other latest donor, two latest. Oh, oh, oh. Latestest. I see your Our other most recent donor, Brad Barker. Son of Bob Barker. I don't know if you knew that. People don't really know that. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, unexpected. If you nerds keep it up, we might just make it to episode 500. Oh, my God. Like I can't. I will shoot you dead first. Wow. If you want to help sustain THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com to become a sustaining member. Simply check the Make This Donation Monthly box when you donate. Remember, as little as a dollar a month really does help. And if you're interested in sponsoring THN for, you know, business or advertising purposes or whatever, yeah, whatever, shoot us an email, subject line, sponsorship, we'll get with you. Maybe you're just like a crazy billionaire and you got money to throw around, you know? If you want to yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com where you can find links to all of our contact info via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Use that stuff, because when you do, you get on the show. That is how you interact uh, yeah. with us. We're desperate to have people on the show so that we have to do less work. Less work. That's the key. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Baum's Spotify profile. It's real. I've seen it. It is real. Before we go, it's got a picture of a, a Mexican wrestler in a yeah, car waving a at you. Yeah, a luchador. Yeah. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to everyone out there listening right now. 
whether you've just discovered the show or you've been with us from the start, we would not have made it to episode 25, let alone episode 250, if it wasn't for all you guys that support us with downloads, donations, reviews, retweets, word of mouth, hand signals, smoke signals, knitted flags, holding up uh, signs at ball games, offensive bumper stickers. Oh yeah, bumper stickers. Yeah, offensive ones. Yeah. <laughs> word to every single damn one of you. Thank you for making the past five years so great. Until next time, tier true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might stuff your pull file full of 250 issues of the latest Helena comic. And I heard there's boobies in there. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off!